Likuti Sikha is Chelik Yudches, volume 18, the fifth Sikha of Parshas Koirach. This Sikha will explain what exactly was the argument, the protest of Koirach, and the ensuing commandment in the Torah regarding the Matnois Kuhuna, the various gifts slash offerings that the Yidin have to give to the Koyanim. And also how this all connects to the festival of Gimel Tammuz, the third of Tammuz, the day that marks, the, uh, commemorates the semi, I should say, rele- semi-release of the previous Rebbe from his imprisonment, the day that he was sent to Kostroma, as I'll explain in a moment. At the end of the Sikha, the Rebbe also explains in detail um, the talk that the previous Rebbe gave on that day before he boarded the train to go to Kostroma. To, to start to serve out this time of exile, at least what was taught at the time. However, we're only going to learn until Ois Yud, until the 10th chapter, as it's a very long Sikha, but we'll definitely cover the main point of the Sikha. So let me, let's go through quickly the timeline to familiarize ourselves better with what happened uh, with the previous Rebbe. So this was in Tof Reish Pei Zayin, that is 1927. He was arrested on the night of the 15th of Sivan, and on the 3rd of Sivan, he was now sent to, quote, exile for three years. In the city of Kasarma, uh, it wasn't necessarily geographically that far, however, as would be, let's say, Siberia or so on, however, it was far in the sense that it was totally isolated from practical Jewish life. There weren't that many Jews there, and there certainly wasn't a Jewish infrastructure. And then eventually on Yud Beis, Yud Gimel Tammuz, in the 12th, 13th of Tammuz, that's when he was notified that he's totally free, and that's when he was able to return home. And then eventually, this also wasn't, so to speak, a quote-unquote full-fledged release, because still he was living in the Soviet Union, which was like, in a sense, the whole country was one big jail, and therefore, at uh, the beginning of the following year, that is Tofresh Peiches, still 1927, but right after Simchas the previous Rebbe and his family left Russia for Riga, Latvia. So another thing to familiarize ourselves before we get into the Sicha, Chesed and Gevura, of course Chesed means kindness, Gevura typically is translated severity, and they correspond to Ratzoi and Shuv. These are topics, these are concepts which we familiarize ourselves in the past. Ratzoi literally means to thrust, a running thrust forward, meaning the desire to, for example, to remove ourselves from the Gashmias and be totally elevated to Ruchnias, Ratzoi to run forth. And Shuv, which, quote, which literally translates return, means to be settled, to come back down in, in, this, in, in, in the terms of serving Hashem, Ratsui means the desire that we have to remove ourselves from everything and to get close to Hashem. And Shuv is where we have that practical desire, what Hashem wants for us to, quote, return, to be down, grounded in, here in the earth and bring down this, the Ruchnias into the Gashmias to live here in a practical sense, in a practical manner. Typically, Chesed corresponds to Shuv, as we'll see later, and Gvura corresponds to Ratzai. So let's get into this, to the Sikha. Regarding the close proximity, the proximity of the story of the Machloikis of Koirach, of the argument, the protest of Koirach, 
the division of Korach, to the commandment regarding the matlis kohuna, the various offerings, the various gifts that we give to the Koyen. So the Sifri, the Medrash says, quote, after Korach came and contested the kohuna, Hashem said to Aaron, behold, I am going to, quote, write, sign, and notarize, so to speak, about your kohuna. Thus, this is why Hashem gives the commandment to affirm, to establish that indeed the kohuna is a viable thing, it is a correct thing, it's Hashem's desire, and therefore Hashem details the matnas kohuna. That's what the Medrash says. However, the question is, this would make sense if the commandment that follows the story, the episode, the saga of Kairach, would be exclusively about matnas kohuna, about the gifts to the kohen. But the fact is that it also discusses the laws of Miser, of Miser. Miser goes to the Koyen. The tithing that you give after you give Truma goes to, I mean, goes to the Levi, forgiving. The Miser goes to the Levi. So how to, this is not consistent, or it doesn't seem to be consistent, with the point that the Medrash is making, that this was kind of a response to the uh, argument of Koyrach, to the contesting of Koyrach against the Kahuna. So the question is, what is the what is the connection? It seems that there is a connection because it comes right afterwards. So what would be the connection between the Maisrois and the uh, story of Koirach? Moreover, if you think about it, Koirach only contested against the Kahuna. Koirach himself was a Levi. Koirach didn't have any issue with the Leviya, with the with the with the fact that they were Leviim. He had an issue with the Kahuna. So why would you have to emphasize and what reason would there be to, so to speak, reestablish or reaffirm the concept of the via? But the fact that the Torah, everything in the Torah is exact and everything is accurate tells us that there is a connection between what Hashem said afterwards, meaning the matnois kahuna, the gifts for the koyanim and the gifts for the levi, the maisrois, and the whole machlekes of koyrach. So the Rebbe says, and to, to explain it, the Rebbe begins with a uh, with an explanation, with an insight from the Noyam Elimelech. There's a sefer called Noyam Elimelech. This is from the Holy Rabbi Elimelech of Lijensk. You may know him as the brother of Reb Zushim Anipoli. And the Rebbe says, it's already been discussed in the past, that the Noyam Elimelech explains that what was the whole idea, what was the whole concept, what was the whole issue of Koirach? He says it's expressed in the first words of the parasha. It says, Vayikach Koirach, which literally translates, and Koirach took. And Rashi even explains it. But what does the Targum say? What does Vayikach mean? And he took? It means the Spalik Koirach. Koirach divided himself. Koirach divided. Well, he caused division. That's what he did. That's Machlekes. What does this mean? So this is alongside, the, along the lines of what happened in the six days of creation. On the second day, it says that Hashem formed the Rokia Hamavdil Beimayim Lemayim. He formed the firmament, the, 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 the heaven, the sky, which separates, quote, between water and water. What does that mean? That it makes a separation that there is Mayim El Yoinim, there's Mayim Tachtoinim. There are the upper waters, there are the lower waters. That means that the Koirach wanted to emphasize this. His argument was that there is a separation, there is a division between the uppers and the lowers. Meaning, he said as follows. He says, look, what is the idea of a koyen? Well, it, in the book of Divrei Hayomim, the book of Chronicles, 
If you look over there, chapter 23, verse 13, it says, That Hashem separated Aaron to make him holy, holy of holies, he and his sons. That means that what is the idea of kahuna? To be separate, to be holy. And then, of course, considering, even moreover, considering that what is the Kohen Gadol in reference to him, it says, Umin hamiktash lo He should never go out of the Mikdash. Meaning, even God forbid, when something terrible happens in his family, there's a loss of life. The regular Kohen mourns. The regular Kohen goes outside of the Beis HaMikdash, figuratively. But the Kohen Gadol not. So his argument was, since that they are so holy and they're so... Elevated, Madua Tisnasu Al Kal Hashem. Why are you raising yourselves over the congregation of Hashem? This is not to be understood literally, but rather that he was saying, How can you be the ones who raise over the Kahal Hashem? How can be you you be the ones that are Mashpia, that interact with, that are that that affect or that inspire the Kahal Hashem, the congregation of Hashem? You should be removed. You should be totally separate. You should be, you mean, in other words, your mode of service, you, the Koyanim, was Korach's argument, is Havdalah, is to be separate, is to be divided, and what is their avoid of the Eden? To be down in the earthly things, to be down in the world. So what connection do you have with them? And that was his argument, and that's why he said, I desire to be a Koyan too, I want to be separate, I want to be removed. I, I appreciate this, but not the way they're doing it. I appreciate only if there's Two different things. There is the Elyonim and there is the Achtoinim. And now we can understand the connection to the Matnois Kohuna, to the gifts for the Koyanim. What is Matnois Kohuna? It emphasizes the connection that there is between the Koyan and the regular Jew. The Yid gives from his possession to the Koyan. Meaning that they elevate from the things that belong to them and they become a gift to the Koyan which was essentially a way that they're giving it to Hashem. So they're taking the Tachtoin, they're taking from the lower element, and they're elevating it through the Koyan to the highest of high, to Hashem Himself. So that explains now the connection. However, this makes sense, but there's still one question. The question that remains is, if this is the whole purpose, mean, namely, that the reason why Hashem said it right after the argument of Korach, was to emphasize, was to illustrate how there is a connection between the higher and the lower. If so, perhaps, maybe, it would have been more appropriate to discuss korbanis. What happens by a korban? By a korban, you take the tachton, you take an animal, which is a simple animal in itself, it's just very tachton, very lowly, and you consecrate it, and you make it into a carbon, and it gets totally elevated to Hashem. Especially a carbon oil that goes totally up to Hashem. So why did Hashem specifically pick the concept, the idea of Matnis Kohuna to counter the Machlekes of Kairach? And if you think about it, moreover, when you look at a carbon, after it gets consecrated, like I said, it gets totally elevated to Hashem. It becomes totally spiritual. You can even see that in the Beis there's the smoke going straight up to the heavens. Whereas by the Kohen, even when it becomes quote-unquote holy, and the Kohen has to treat it as a holy item, still, how does the Kohen uh, consume it? I'm sorry, the Kohen has to consume it. 
In other words, how does it get connected to the Kohen by him enjoying it, which is still uh, a, something connected to the Tachtoin? So it doesn't seem. So why did Hashem pick Karbonis as the, uh, not, I'm sorry, why did he not pick Karbonis as a symbol, as a response, as an argument to counter Koirach's argument? Why did he pick specifically the idea of Matnas Kahuna? So the Rebbe says, Parshas Koirach is always read in proximity to Gimel Tamus. And since everything is Bahashkocha protest by divine providence, and especially considering what the Shalah maintains, Shalah is Rabbi Yitzhak Horowitz, the, the, his work is called Shalosh Shnei Luches Abris, who he maintains that the Yomim Toivim, the various festivals, that the parshas that they coincide with around those festivals have a direct connection to the festival. So then there must be a connection between parshas Koirach and Gimel Tamas. Says the Rebbe, we could actually appreciate and understand this unique connection between parshas Koirach and what happened on Gimel Tamas. You see, the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, had much opposition. There was much opposition, obviously, from the Soviets, from the KGB, and so on. But really, what were they opposed to? If you think about it, what they were really opposed to was not he himself being a religious Jew, not he himself being a pious Jew, not he himself learning Chassidus, but rather the work that he did to connect to the regular Jew, the work that he was doing to spread Yiddishkeit to the average Jew, to the, I don't want to use the term lowly Jew, but to the regular low Jew, low down-to-earth Jew, to the little kids. That was their beef. That was their problem. That was their issue. And this is, of course, similar to what happened by Koirach. He maintained, you're a Koyan, no problem. But you should be elevated. You shouldn't mix with the people. You don't have a connection to the people because there should be a division between the Elyonim and Tachtoinim. And this is what Gimel Thomas came about and shows that Hashem, so to speak, just like he said to Aaron, he wrote, he signed, he notarized the fact that he is authorizing that this is the way it is, that you could continue spreading Torah to the masses and you, the Koyen, in this sense, the Rebbe, could and should still be connected to the people and continue to spread Torah to them. So this makes a lot of sense. However, this still is somewhat of a discrepancy. It's not 100% the same. Because if you think about it, what really happened on Gimel Thomas? If you recall in the timeline, on Gimel Thomas, he wasn't totally freed. He wasn't given totally the green light. Now you can go out there and go spread Yiddishkeit. But rather, he was sent to exile. So true that the worst was commuted. And the worst, I didn't want to say it, verbalize it, like the, like the Rebbe would never verbalize it, to say that he, they, they, they were considering capital punishment, but the worst was commuted. And not even to sit in jail, to just go there, it's a semi-freedom. But the fact is, he wasn't totally free. He was still under their jurisdiction, still under their thumb. Now, the virtue of the fact that he was in Kostrama tells us that he wasn't free. And he didn't become totally free until you'd basically Gimel Thomas. So how can we say that it's compared? How can we say it's similar to Parshish Koirach when after Koirach was done with, the Kahuna was totally and absolutely reestablished? Says the Rebbe, and therefore we must conclude that specifically because of this, the fact that he was still under their thumb, so to speak, he was still under their jurisdiction and their authority as he was sent to, to, to exile. Dafka, because of this, this really, this is what brings out, 
Even more so, the idea, the concept of the, the Machlekes of Koirach versus the response of Hashem with the Matnais Kahuna. So the Rebbe says, in order to understand this, well, understand this by first a, a getting a little better on the appreciation of Matnais Kahuna, of some of the halachas in the gifts of the Kayanim, and we'll appreciate and, and answer a certain question that arises, and we'll be able to really fully understand this and see how the two come together. You see, the rule is by Matnas Kehuna that there is a precise quarter, there's a precise limit. In other words, there is a minimum, even though according to the Torah there may not be a minimum, let's say in Truma, but the Chachamim established, the sages established a minimum. Either, either you give a 50th, which is 2%, or at least a 60th, or the most you can give is a 40th. But the rule is that you cannot give everything away. In other words, if a person is feeling overly generous and excited about the kahuna, he still cannot take his whole entire harvest and give it to the kohen. Something has to remain. In other words, there is a minimum and there is a maximum shear. And the question is why? Why shouldn't you just be able to give everything away? The answer is, it's explained in the Chachsidus, that a kohen what does a coin symbolize? What does a coin represent? A coin is ish ha-chesed. It represents chesed, kindness. What's kindness? Givingness. This corresponds to the concept of shuv, which is basically the idea of giving melmaila lemata. In other words, that the focus is not on the lemaila, the focus is not on the upper, but rather as it comes down and it's able to, to help or it's able to, to energize and, and, and elevate, serve as a purpose for the mata, the shuv, the return. Whereas Levi, Levi represents, uh, the, the Leviim represent gevura, severity. Where this is ratzoi, this corresponds to ratzoi, which is that thrust forward, which is the idea of melmata lamailo, where the tachton wants to remove itself from being tachton and go totally up and get absorbed in the milo. So what did Koirach want? Koirach wanted that everybody should get elevated because he felt that the Tachtoinim, the lower ones, meaning the regular Jew or the Jews as they are, with their feet on the ground, so to speak, they are not compatible to godliness the way they are. And therefore they have to cease being who they are and they have to elevate themselves, remove themselves from being a Tachtoin and somehow become an Elyon, which is the idea of Ratzoi. And therefore they felt like the Koyan shouldn't go down to the people. What was the response for this? Now we'll appreciate it. It was not the Karbanis. Because what is a Karban? A Karban is that you take something and the entire thing becomes transformed. It becomes consecrated to Hashem. It becomes Koydish. And then it gets totally elevated to Hashem. In other words, it ceases being a Tachtun. It no longer is a Tachtun. This is the idea of Ratzik which has its place. But this is not a response to the argument of Kairach. What was the response to the argument of Kairach? Dafke matnes kahuna. That what happens, only a part of it gets elevated. But the rest, and this is the emphasis, that's why it's no less and no more. You can't give everything away. You can't convert the whole thing into holiness. You have to remain with the Tachton. From the Tachton, you take some Elyon, you take some matter of it, and you convert it into Elyon. But the Tachton itself, the contributor, remains a Tachton, and that's how he gets connected to God. 
This is fantastic, says the Rebbe. However, there's still somewhat of a question of discrepancy. Because at the end of the day, the matnus kuna itself, the portion itself that you separated and gave to the Kayim does become Kaidish. It does become, quote, Elyon, elevated into a higher status. So it's not fully representing this idea because we're trying to focus on how the Tachtun should remain a Tachtun. In other words, the idea of Shuv, and yet it serves God. And through that, it's able to um, accomplish the feat of, of making a Dira Betachtun of serving God. Therefore, says the Rebbe, that's why the Torah also adds the idea of the Miser to the Levi. The idea of Miser, Miser does not become Kodesh. Whereas when you give something to the Koyin, let's say for example, when you give Truma from your harvest, or the Bikurim, that is holy, because even the Koyin himself has to treat it with holiness. But Miser is totally Chulin. It totally remains mundane, regular, he can do whatever he want with it. He doesn't have to treat it with any whatsoever kid gloves in terms of holiness. There's no restrictions whatsoever. This brings out the idea that it can remain a tachtoin and still be totally and absolutely connected to the alien. That means not only the part that the koyin and levi receive serve the purpose of, of, of serving Hashem, but rather the part that remains by the person that, that remains, so to speak, pure tachtoin, pure and absolute tachtoin, with that, you're able to, and therefore you should, you have to serve Hashem. And this is the reason why there is an established shiur, no more, no less. There's a quota, you cannot give more, you can't give less. There are limitations. Because this is to emphasize that you're supposed to be left, the person is supposed to be left with the tachtan, with his matter, in order to be able to serve Hashem. By him enjoying it, by him using it for his purposes, that, through that, he's able to serve Hashem. And now we'll understand how this really connects specifically to Gimel Tammuz. If we look at it this way, the Machlekes of Koirach corresponds to the arrest, their argument. Yud Beis and Yud Gimel Tammuz, the ultimate release, that is when he went totally out of the clutches, that was as if like they totally admitted that he could serve uh, in the capacity of what, he, what he's doing until then. But that's already where Kena, so to speak, all became like holy. In other words, that corresponds more, if, you, if I may, to the idea of Korbanis. But Dafka Gimel Tamus, when he was kind of released, but not totally, he was still under their thumb, he was still under their jurisdiction. He was in exile, by virtue of the fact that he was there, it tells us that he was under their rule. And yet, he was able to start, once again, he was able to act and bring Toida and Mitzvahs, which we know, in the account of it, what happens? He immediately, as he was setting out there, the, the, right before he set out, he already sent somebody ahead to establish a cheder, to establish a, a cheder for, for little children to learn Torah, exactly the reason what he was arrested for, and to fix the mikvah there, and to see to it that there's Torah learning there. So in other words, the fact that he was released from jail gave him that ability to do it while being under the clutches. In this case, there's no worse tachtoin, of the Tachtim itself. So this represents, this like symbolizes how it's the ultimate tikkun, the ultimate correction, the ultimate counter-argument to Koirach's argument. That while being in the Tachtim, in the Gashmi, as they are Gashmi, you're, not only it doesn't counter, it doesn't serve as a stira, as a contradiction to godliness, 
But Adarabha Dafka, through that, you're able to do godliness. And if you think about it, if he had not been sent to Kastrama, to this Tachtoin, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have had a direct connection to that place to focus in on that particular place and accomplish the Torah and mitzvahs that he sought, that he actually accomplished because he was there. So this brings out the idea how the Tachtoin itself serves the purpose, and this is the ultimate counter argument to Koirach and the concept of Koirach, which in this Sikha the Rebbe aligns with what the communists were arguing. You be up there, let the people be down there. That's what Koirach was saying, and the response to it is Matnais Kuhuna and Meiser, which says, no, there is a Tachtoin, and Dafka with the Tachtoin, through the Tachtoin, because of the Tachtoin, that's how we serve Hashem.